and welcome to this week's episode of Have Another Cuppa with me, Daisy Williams. I am so excited to introduce my guest this week. It's the lovely Connor Allen. We had a chat just before Christmas and I love having a sit down with Connor. We literally speak for hours, but don't worry, (laughs) this conversation is under an hour long. We chatted about his series of blogs called Being Enough chatted about his outlook on life and all the different projects he's been up to over the last couple of months. Hope you all enjoy. Okay, let's start off there with quick fire questions. Cool. Okay, uh, what do you prefer, football or rugby? Football. Nice. Would you rather be a cat or a dog? I don't like either. Really? Okay. If you could be any animal, any animal, wow. Um, Probably some type of bird, maybe like an eagle. Oh really? Well, yeah, because I'm like they really observe it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, they just observe, don't they? And they can fly up high. It's like freedom, but you can also see everything. Mm. It might change next week. I'll probably be in a different state. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not gonna hold you to this. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Next time you see me, but you need. Okay, sorry. Nice. Okay. What's your favorite color? Blue. Where would you like to travel most in the world? Um, I really want to go to the Maldives, mm. just for the tranquility and the peace and quiet. Mm. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, Theatre or film? Oh, wow. Um, oh, man, that's so hard. I feel like they're two... They, they, well, obviously, I feel they are very two different mediums. Mm. That's really hard. To distinguish, if I had to go, I'd probably say theatre because <laughs> it's live, it's raw, and it's. I always, I always love a um, a Martin Scorsese quote where he says that um, if you want to be an actor, then go to the stage because film and TV is an editorial medium, mm. and I never really understood what he meant mm. until I started doing obviously the tiny little bits that I have done on TV. Um, and I remember speaking to a director when I was filming last year, actually, for Outsiders. And yeah, he, he said to me, he was really good, little mentor, because obviously I'm still new to all, especially filming wise. Mm-hmm. He was giving me like, little tricks and little tips and stuff. And, and he, he even said that quote to me. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, I yeah, I, I go back and forth on that quote. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it is, because there's so much you can do in an editorial suite when you edit film and TV, whereas you can't do that with theatre. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably why I, yeah, personally I'd probably say theatre, just because you can create, it's, it's about the imagination more so um, with theatre, because you can create all these worlds and take people to different tenses and, and different parts of the whole universe on a stage, whereas I think, especially nowadays with like green screen and everything, mm. it's so easier to do on film. Mm. So um, probably a theatre. There's something about when you hear that audience gasp <gasps> mm. with like something that you've done or the magic. Like I went to watch Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Oh, don't. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I went, I went um, <laughs> me and my brother took like our partners and my sister-in-law for a 30th mm. last year. And um, me and my sister-in-law are really big Harry Potter fans. And we were just like the magic, mm. the way that they people disappear and like mm. the, the the magic of the wands and the cape 
Mm. everything it's just so magical and you think how are you doing that like <laughs> oh my god yes yeah, so it's that and mm. now i fully understand why they're like hashtag keep the secrets because yeah i know it is so magical so yeah amazing well that's a good way to segue out of our quick five questions into our conversation really because you are an actor i try to be i try, to. <laughs> I try. um yeah first of all we should say happy new year indeed chin, chin. Happy New Year. Although this is before New Year, but it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's, it's happy pre-New Year. Happy pre-New Year. Have you got any New Year's resolutions or do you not do them? No, I haven't really. I haven't really done New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. for a while. I think they're just carry on trying to mm. be the best version of myself that I can be. That's not really a New Year's resolution. It's like every kind every of day, it's like yeah. an everyday mm. kind of thing for me. Um, it's better though because I think sometimes people do get so hung up over it being New Year. Like this is going to be a different year. It's going to be better. Yeah. And it's like it might not be, and it, it might be because of reasons out of your control. Control. It puts you in. It puts you in a very seg. Like narrow. Yeah, that's the word. A very narrow kind of lane mm. to travel into to mm. it, it, into the next year with because you're like, oh well, I'm going to be this different person. I'm going to do this, this, and this, this, mm. and this. But you don't know kind of like the outside forces, or you don't know what other kind of energies are going to be entering, leaving your life during that year. Like, there's so many yeah. other factors that can happen. And I just think all you need to do is just focus on being the best version of yourself and kind of driving if you're driving a car um i love an octavia spencer quote that she said that if you're she's american she's like if you're driving down a highway mm. and you're um taking the time to turn over and look at what the person next to you is driving you're going to crash your car mm. so all you need to do is focus on where you're driving to stay in your lane and get to where you need to be mm. if the person next to you is driving at 100 miles an hour and they're speeding forward that's fine that's great for them and the person to the left of you might be going at only 20 miles an hour and might be lagging behind and that's fine all you need to do is focus on where you're going and i think that's that's a great way like i tell that to my friends a lot like especially when like new year comes that in this day and age we've got social media is such this big thing where like you mm. it's, it's really hard trying not to compare because you yeah. see other people achieving this success or or following their dreams or they they buying houses and getting married and having kids and they're buying lovely cars and, and other kind of stuff which is making them happy and you feel like oh my god like why haven't i got that mm. and, and it's so easy nowadays i feel like to just sit there and compare yourself mm. to other people and the best thing that you can do is just be yourself because that's a gift and there's no other person like you there's mm-hmm. no other Connor Allen in the world and there's mm-hmm. no one that acts or is like me there's no one who's like Daisy there's no one who's like my mum like all everyone is yeah. unique and everyone kind of brings their own uniqueness and, and quirks mm-hmm. to the table so is that what you enjoy most about being an actor is being able to bring stuff like that to life what first drew me to acting was the escapism mm. I, I got this opportunity to kind of escape to different worlds and be different characters and it just took all this kind of bottled anger and frustration that I had as a teenager and I could channel it into something creative and productive instead mm. of channeling it in a way that I was which is really kind of toxic and negative in very kind of violent and criminal ways so mm. for uh, it started off being like just an escapism and, and being able to study plays and understand that like they're telling stories and 
all these stories are just different depictions of life and everyone mm. leads different lives and I think when you're a teenager you're, you're still trying to find your your feet in the world because even though you feel like oh well you know like I'm 15 16 I'm I'm practically an adult like mm-hmm. I can do what I want it's like you're still a baby really I like I, I look at it now and I'm, I'm only 27 and I'm working with actors who are like in their late 30s, early 40s, some of them in their 50s. I'm like, oh my, like you've lived such a, oh my God, like all that experience and wealth of knowledge I love. So, and they say to me, oh, like, Connor, you're still just a baby. Yeah. Like, and, and and I look and I think, what? I'm 27, <laughs> what are you on about? Like, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm doing all right. I'm like, no, no, no. But yeah, you've still got a yeah. long way to go, and and that's why I mean, I look, I look back at myself as a teenager and feel like, geez, when you were so naive, because you are still a baby and mm. you are still trying to find your feet, and you're still feeling new emotions for the first time, um, the first time you, I know, suffer heartbreak or the first time you feel love and the first time you you go through grief, like a lot of those kind of potent emotions you feel as a teenager and sometimes mm. nine times out of ten they're the first times you're feeling those emotions so um for me as i've kind of discussed in my blog like not having my father around was a big factor for me as a teenager so i had all this anger mm. and all this kind of not knowing where i fitted in the world and all these kind of thoughts racing through my mind and they channel themselves in really kind of toxic and negative ways so to be able to have that opportunity and that chance just to channel them in a creative way i can just go into kind of different worlds and different characters and just explore different lives which mm. would kind of the complete opposite to my own it just it was joyous and mm. I, I guess i just forget about being this single parent kid who's dad didn't want him I was a different character in a different world for a, for a split second and so yeah it was, it was that escapism for me at, at, at the start so I read your blog yeah I read yeah. both your blogs because you did another one recently didn't you yeah well yeah fairly recently compared to the other one the other one was in the summer August, yeah no, well I've tried to do them every so uh, about two months six mm. weeks to two months apart so the first one was in i think it was august then it was october and then i've got the the third and final one in this current series dropping mm. now in two days time oh great yeah mm. so um i say two days time obviously by the time this goes out so <laughs> it, it will be on the 13th it'll be friday the 13th of december mm. um yeah well what i was going to say was i think because i think after reading your first blog um, it, it it felt by the end of that blog that you'd come to a sort of place of acceptance of that part of your life. Yeah, yeah, 100%. To a certain percent. Yeah, yeah. Know, I don't want to, you know... No, 100%. 100%. Um, so I'm, intri- I'm intrigued now to read the other blog because if it's part of the sort of three, you know, series of three blogs... Yeah. It'd be interesting to see... Because I suppose the third box is going to tie everything up, possibly? Kind, kind of. I, more so, I think the third blog. So the first blog was entitled, I Am Enough. And I was more looking at it from a perspective of myself and being that, do you know what, I'm enough. And it's taken me like over 25 years to realise that, but mm. I am enough. I always have been and I always will be. And then the second one then was t- entitled, You Are Enough. And that was more looking at the telling as the kind of single parent children that they are enough. Mm. And then I, I used the kind of an example of my 
friend's little boy Jace who I, I kind of look at him as if like he was my own at times because we've got that such a strong relationship but his father isn't around as much as kind of Jace would like to be mm. um, so it's really hard for him so having them positive real role models which I strive to be for Jace and then I realised you know what I had even though I didn't have my father in my life I had other male role models mm. in my life who told me or who showed me should I say that you are enough mm. and then the third one then now will be entitled we are enough mm. and that's looking at kind of mine and my brother's relationship and the fact that we were in this together in a way because we mm. both didn't have our father in our life we both had the exact same upbringing and we both had just our mum mm. but we both went off in very different ways mm. and it's about analyzing that but then also for me, the term brother isn't necessarily, like, I have my actual brother, Blade, um, who, like, he's my best friend and I love the pieces, but I've also got other people in my life now who I would refer to and call my brother. Um, like, my best friend, Luke, from uni. Um, my best friend from back home, James. Um, like, they're my brothers, and I'll always refer to them as my brothers as well. So, But then it's funny that, like, when we look at it, their relationship with their dads was very kind of different and mm. very kind of disconnected. So it's funny how we've all kind of came together mm. and we're all there for each other, but we've all got this one thing in common, which I, I mm. really find interesting. So, um, yeah, how even it's taken again, taking me all this time to realise, but we, as, as brothers, we are enough for each other. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, it's because I'm really cheesy, but you do you find your people... Um, and I think that's again it comes with age I think yeah, and maturity yeah. and it's probably at different ages for different people mm. um, and find it within different people you know you probably have lots of different communities now that you feel a part of like your acting community your friend community from home yeah. your uni you know yeah, it's you... all those people but it it does take time I think and I think it takes time a lot of time a lot of time for a lot of people People just don't say it does. People just say they're okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And actually, a lot of people probably haven't found their sort of tribe or their, you know, their brothers or their sisters. Yeah, their brotherhood. Yeah. Because yeah, for, for many of you, even when I went to uni, I wasn't... I was okay with the fact that my father wasn't in my life, but I guess, yeah, I, I probably still, looking back, I probably still did have, like, some residual anger mm. at the fact that like he wasn't there to kind of drop me off or he wasn't there he wasn't going to be there to see me graduate but then again now I look back and I think but I never needed him there like because yeah. I had the one person that I needed there was my mum and she mm. was there she was the one that dropped me off and she was the one that was at graduation and she was the one there that always watches me on tv or comes mm. and watches my shows and and supports me so it's like I've got that relationship and yeah. I don't need you. And like I speak about in my first blog, that that the one that one moment where I realised, you know what, actually I, I don't need you and I never mm. have was that, that day on the train station in Newport where um I, I kind of looked at I was going back um on tour. I was doing Romeo and Juliet at the time and um I came back from Mother's Day. Um, just to take my mum out for breakfast with my brother and obviously give us some flowers and I was going back on the train up to uh, Mould in North Wales and um, as I was in the train station I looked across and my father was there with a, a, a pram with two babies in there and um, 
I just looked across and, and I saw it in his eyes that he had this kind of real just like look of he wanted to, uh, to kind of say something he wanted to kind of sorrow in a way um, and I was like I know that all too well because I've carried that feeling with me for so long and I just giggled to myself and got on the train and went to Mold and yeah for the whole journey up then I just had this realisation that like I don't I would be so pissed off before being like well what's he doing with two new kids well I'm not good enough and, and why the hell didn't he come over and speak to me like he did he, I deserve that at least mm. and and I didn't have any of those feelings I just thought Do you know what I, I feel if anything I feel sorry for those two kids because they'll probably grow up in the same way that me and my brother did with where you're just going to abandon them but then I guess I, I, I look at it now in terms of I, at least I try to look at it in terms of empathy and I feel like well there's obviously reasons why he wasn't around and he wasn't in our lives for whatever reason and, and I'll, I'll never know until I sit down and ask him those questions if I ever will mm. but um, I, I, I try my best or the best that I can to kind of look at if, if you can walk if you can walk a few steps in someone else's shoes then you've got a better understanding mm. of their journey and I feel like if I can try and empathise or I can try and understand the reasons behind why my father wasn't around, then of course I, I can be a bit more sympathetic. But it, 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 again, that's just come over time. And, and I wouldn't say that I ever, I can ever relate because the one thing I think that he gave me by not being there was the fact that I know when I'm a, a father, I'm going to be the best father in the world. Mm because I know, as I said in my blog, and I'll, I'll repeat, like I know what it's like to be abandoned and I'm never ever gonna do that to my own kids. They'll always feel loved and they'll mm. always feel like they're enough because they'll always feel like they're my entire world because they will be. So I know then on the flip side, I'm never gonna be like my father. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll pose the question to you then. Because I, I have a very different situation. So my parents are divorced. Mm. when I was quite young and you do sometimes get this thing of oh, I wonder what it would have been like now and then I laugh because I think it wouldn't have worked do you know what I mean um, do you ever get that feeling or is it something you could never possibly no, I can never really think of that because he was never there yeah he was it was very sporadic he was like maybe like once in, in a very miraculous blue moon mm. that he would then show up and we might see him for about like mm. 30 minutes. But I think, yeah, I think from the age of maybe like when I was born till I was about, well, I would see that incident with my mum when I was what, but I was then 13, 14. Mm. So in like, yeah, say 14 years, I, I, I probably can count on both hands the amount of times I've seen him. Yeah. I think though sometimes it it make it it's it's made you the person you are though. Hundred percent. That's the thing. Yeah. And you wouldn't be Connor without it now, probably. Yeah, pro- probably not. And um, because then I'd say like like everything that I did when I was a teenager and and all that trouble with the police, I'd say, oh yeah, well like I wouldn't be Connor obviously if it weren't if it wasn't for that. But then all that was intricately linked to my father not being around. Yeah. So therefore, it's, it is linked to him. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It, it you can't is. Can't not wish to be yourself. I know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change. And yeah. and, and this sounds terrible. Um, 
I, I wouldn't change. If someone gave me a time machine and said that we can go back and change every single thing that you've done, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything that I've done. And, mm-hmm. and that still means then that, that obviously I'd have to go back and, and beat my mum. And I've got to live with that every day, which, mm. I, like I said in my blog, which I do. And that's why, again, I, I wake mm. up every day striving to be a better person. But um, no, I wouldn't because mm. I know... I know that's made me the person that I am mm. and like I said I've got to live with that so mm. I know that at the time it destroyed my mum and yeah. it probably destroyed me but then in that destruction I rebuilt myself now mm. into the man that I am sat here mm. like having a chat with you so I'd like to think that it was it was for the better um, if I could go back and obviously go through everything and not hit my mum, then of course. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. I'm not I was, saying. I was going to say, do you want to explain a little bit to the audience who haven't read you <coughs> a little bit about that situation? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to. We no, can. of course, of course not. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so back, back when I was a teenager, I was, again, going, getting in trouble a, a, a lot, like in school, outside of school, um, hanging around with the wrong crowds and, and doing lots of you know that like you're typical i say typical it, it seems typical i always remember i always gotta try and remember that everyone has different upbringings and different mm. experiences closely oh well like you know the typical thing the kids did you know like <laughs> in gangs and doing this and that yeah you yeah. realize no not, not everyone does not that, everyone's huh? in a gang yeah, yeah not, not everyone is yeah doing that um but i was doing what i perceived to be like the stereotypical mm. things that we did in our council estate and um with that came a lot of trouble with the police so I had like umpteen warnings and reprimands cautions and it was building and building and I was running away from home and my grades were dropping in school and people were therefore being really worried about me and I was just consistently arguing with my mum and then sleeping like on my next door neighbour's sofa and um, I came home from school one day and it came to a loggerhead with me and my mum and we just had this massive blazing argument and she kind of like shut the kitchen door on my face. So I just saw red and I kind of like opened the kitchen door and she was kind of bent down doing, folding the washing. And I just stomped her to the ground and started beating my mum. And um, then I fled the scene um, to my best friend James's house and kind of stayed there hiding out and um, rightfully so like my mum then rang the police and they came and arrested me and I was taken to Mandy Police Station as it's <laughs> called in Newport mm. and um, yeah I was kind of charged um, with GBH and assault and battery and then um, my nan well it wasn't even my nan but it was my granddad which again I speak about in my second blog um because all my life I've kind of been like a nanny's boy. My nan has been, like, we've had that relationship. And um, it wasn't until quite recently that I, I re- my nan and my granddad said to me that, that on that night when I rung, so basically I had one phone call, which you're kind of entitled to in, in when you get arrested. And I rung my nan and I left a voicemail because there was no answer. I was like, nan, um, I've gone into some trouble. Um, I'm then mainly police station. Can you kind of come and bit on me and stuff? I assume she must have rung my mum and been like, what's going on? She told her. And um, my granddad, they sat in their kitchen table and my granddad said, um, he was like, no, Janet, that's my nan's name. 
he was like, no, Janet, I'm going to go because for once in Connor's life, he needs a man there. And also, he's laid hands on my daughter, so me and him need to have words. And up until that point, like, my granddad is, is like your stereotypical granddad, doesn't mm-hmm. say really very much. Mm-hmm. Goes down the pub every evening with like for a pint or two with his old friends, and and that's it. Like Nan does everything, and that was the one time that he kind of picked me up and gave me a stern talking to, which again, like I just got the utmost respect for him for that because I was like a raging teenager. Who had just no disregard for kind of my own actions or the repercussions of my own actions on anyone really. So after that, then <clears throat> my mum took me to court, which at the time I hated her for because like I, I was already kind of had good potential as a kid. Um, I got all my GCSEs like A star to C. Um, took all the correct A levels because I wanted to be a doctor. Because um, I lost my best friend when I was younger to a brain tumor, so with that came this kind of sense that I want to save people's lives. I never want people feeling the way I'm feeling right now. So I lost my, my friend at like the age of 10. So to, to kind of lose someone you call a brother at that age, it, it, it's really, yeah, it's really hard to mm. get that kind of concept of like death and, yeah. and, and loss, grief. Um, so feeling all those emotions for the first time. So I, um, yeah, I wanted to be a doctor took all the right GCSEs, got all my A stars to see, um, even went to medical summer school in Nottingham called Medlink for like a taster session. Mm. So yeah. And um So when she took you to court Yeah, so, so so when she took me to court then mm. <clears throat> I, I hated her for that because I was like, You're taking away that dream of me mm. wanting to be a doctor. Can't be a doctor with a criminal record. But I know it's for my own good. So um yeah, she took me to court. I had to get a lawyer and um, yeah, obviously the charges was like I think it was like two counts of GBH and one count of assault and battery, and um, yeah, that 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 was harrowing because I had to sit there in a courtroom opposite my mum and then look at pictures that they had taken of like all mm. the kind of bruises and marks and everything that I'd left on my mum um, as evidence, <clears throat> and that that's what stays with me like every, every yeah that's that still stays with me now because that. I think those are stuff that are like that, that they'll never leave. Um, so yeah, but it was just by the sheer gorgeousness of the teachers in my old school. There was only like six of them, but they wrote this open letter and gave it to my solicitor, who handed it to the judge, and they attached my grades to it. Um, well, my predicted grades for A mm. level, um, which were all like C's and above. Um, and then obviously my, all my GCSEs which were A star to C and they were like look he's got so much potential he's just making the wrong choices please don't but please don't put him into kind of like the system because mm. once he's in there it's going to be so hard for him to get out and yeah. all that potential will be wasted so the judge then looked over that reviewed my case and yeah gave me pretty much just gave me a second chance and, and gave me um, a th- what was called a three year suspended sentence so what that meant was I couldn't get in no trouble whatsoever for three years mm. and if I did that then my my entire record all the cautions the reprimands everything would just be wiped and I'd have a brand new record mm. but if I did get in any trouble even if it was just a warning of a police officer then I would go then to kind of juvie um, for the three years mm. but what that meant was then that I would spend two years because by this point then I was like just over 16 so I'd spend two years in juvie and then I'd have to spend one year in, in, a, in an actual adult prison. Um, 
so yeah so mm. I, well, and I had to do like 150 hours or 120 100, 100 plus hours yeah. of community service which again was just grim picking up litter and <laughs> scrubbing graffiti off walls but again you've you got to do it like yeah. Um, so yeah so, mm. so that was that pretty much was the impetus of me therefore going to uni because mm. um, obviously university is three years so I thought well do you know what then I can just I'll just stay go away for three years stay mm. out of trouble and I'm and, and kind of done mm. and at least then I'll have something to fall back on I'll, ha- I'll have a degree so mm. and this all kind of came back didn't it earlier in the year um, when you went to you had a project in Bridgend didn't you yeah 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 so um, <clears throat> I just finished actually um, yeah so I was invited by my old school to kind of give a talk at, at, at an award ceremony and um, I went back and I gave this talk then to the kids and a lot of the teachers and parents came up to me afterwards and were like oh my god can't I like thank you because you were just really kind of honest and raw with my kid and with the students like you've got to read because I just basically told them my story and I was yeah. like I was like it's not going to resonate with everyone but mm. if if you just take what you need to take from my story as inspiration then great um, and someone had mentioned one of the teachers about going in and talking to kind of young offenders because technically I was like obviously an ex-young offender and I was like yeah that's just interesting and then I just kind of yeah I just took a pound on myself and I was like do you know what why not because if I can make one difference or I can just help one kid rehabilitate then I know then I'm paying my dues so um, I contacted um Someone put me in contact with a woman I already knew, Rianne Hutchins, who runs mm-hmm. Opera Sonic, lovely woman. Ex-guest. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure she's been on your podcast, actually. <laughs> little shout out there for Rianne, um, who is absolutely lovely. Yeah. And she's done work in prisons before. Um, so she put me in contact with someone she knew from Literature Wales called Louise Richards, who, again, is absolutely gorgeous. And I just had a meeting with Louise and we just spoke about it and I told her what I wanted to do and just maybe just go in and tell, like, the young offenders my story and if they can take anything from that then great um, and then yeah, we came up with this little project and there was a little bit of money that I could apply for from the literature and well-being scheme mm. um, so yeah so I went into Park Prison in Bridgend with the young offenders and we run a series of four sessions with them basically um, trying to give them like the ownership and the power of their own stories um because i feel like once i did that myself and i took ownership of my own story and realized that it was all in my control and and it was my story and that was it i was then so ready and so willing to talk about it because for years i was so ashamed so i was like i i I beat the one woman that kind of raised me and put food on my 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 back and and hot food on my back (laughs) put clothes on my back should i say and put food in my belly so um so yeah, like for years, I guess I, I, I was just ashamed mm. of my own actions really. So I didn't bother. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think once I, I realized, well actually no, there's, there's hope in my story because I'm in the small, minute way that I'm kind of gaining traction and, and, and I'm building a career for myself. There are people out there then who kind of watch and, and, and will follow my journey. Mm. So if I can offer like just a small beacon of hope and light to, to someone else so they don't make the same mistakes that mm. I did, then it may, I feel like it's just my kind of right just to do that because mm. then it's one soul saved and it means that there's not another kid 
that has to go down that same journey and then take the long road around because I can tell them trust me it's yeah I've, I've done it it's not worth yeah. it um so yeah so we went in and, and we did a project with them where we were kind of looking at what makes um a young offender and what is it <clears throat> that young offenders care about in 2019 yeah. so we did this great exercise where um we would like just fill the wall with all these post-it notes about thoughts like but what they cared about so i was like as a young as a young person i know obviously you're young offense because we're in this kind of prison but you're still young people so as young people what do you care about we're like what lights a fire in your belly and it might be a good fire it might be a bad mm. fire but what do you care about what are you passionate about in 2019 what is it about the world that you guys live in and the world around you that you want to change or you, that you care about. And we had just all these kind of thoughts, you know, like racism, the government, not caring about young people's voices, knife crime, gangs, family was massive. So then the next session we did the whole session on family and what makes a family. So if mm -hmm. like the family is the base and the trunk of a tree, what makes the branches, what makes the leaves? And we had like all these things um, about like, communication laughter loyalty then again was a massive huge branch on every single one um every single one's trees and then the third session i had a lovely kind of poet that i've worked with before um ali um ali guliad from butte town um i've done work with him with national theater wales um he came in and ran a session and really got them to kind of write their own poems and then we got them as well then to write a letter to their younger selves mm. basically saying kind of like what would you say if you could say anything to your younger selves what would you say and um some of those letters were like so powerful mm. you're just like wow but powerful in both ways because there were some people out there who were who were really kind of sorry for the mm. mistakes and for the 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 decisions that they had made to get them there and there were other inmates who were just like no nah, i do it again and again and again oh really so it, but then that's powerful because yeah, it's no, like it that mindset of being like that mm. way and you think wow like i'm just coming to it from a place where it's like i i've i wouldn't do it again even though i said earlier like obviously yeah if i had a time machine i would because it's maybe who i am but if obviously i wasn't locked up yeah i got given a second chance so i'm looking at it from a place that I would do it again and again knowing that I've got a second chance whereas mm. I think I'd probably have a different mindset if I was locked up yeah. um, every day so yeah and I see you're coming at it from a different perspective yeah they're in the middle of it and you've are at the end of it now yeah it's do you think that's one of your proudest things you've done as a actor as a theatre practitioner probably um because mm. I, 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 I had to delay my, my last session so i've just finished it this week actually oh, and um yeah and and my contact there um the education officer who was helping me run the sessions and stuff said that um one of the one of the uh inmates they um they had other sessions because basically while the prisoner doing they're trying to bring in all these like creative segues and all these activities for mm. them to just to keep them occupied and to help rehabilitate them and stuff mm. and they brought in this one session where they kind of again trying to trying to help them kind of rehabilitate and reevaluate their life choices and stuff and this one inmate is very kind of disruptive in, in many of lessons and he was disruptive in that one and um the education officer asked him it's like like what's going on 
like you ask us to bring you stuff and we're doing that and he was like why can't that session be more like Connor's session yeah. and it's like it's just, yeah it's little things like that where I was like oh do you know what then yeah it is worth it because I know then I've gone in and every single session he was there engaged involved and he probably got the most out of it and mm. but according to the system he's one of the most disruptive inmates mm. there so it's really interesting actually mm. that when like you engage in a very creative way and you give the ownership of their own journeys and stories mm. back to them that's it they engage so much it was very interesting mm. where because I, I opened the first session because mm. I had two groups I opened the first session with both of them with my story it's pretty much my first yeah. blog and as soon as I told them that yeah I was I was convicted for beating my mum they were like 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 they they look at me as if like I, I was on death row for killing someone really yeah it's just you, you can you can have gang warfare you can sell drugs you can do all these other crimes beat up anyone but you beat up your mum because a lot of them again came from single mum backgrounds mm. so they had that kind of relatability but it doesn't matter what they were doing and a lot of them were doing what they were doing for their mum for mm. their family for their little sisters so they'd be selling drugs to provide for their families and stuff yeah. like that um, yeah so looking at it from that perspective of oh my mm. god like you beat your mum it was very yeah they, they'd look at me in a very certain way but I was mm. like guys I've got to live with that and that's fine like yeah. I've made amends with that because I've got to live with that for the rest of my mm. life and I will and how did you feel about the reaction to the blog because it got a very positive response you know in the way yeah that... I was I'll let you sorry, I'll let no you. no no please finish no so in the way that that people were so impressed by your honesty because I think you know like you said it's something that you have to process yourself yeah um, and not, a lot of people, I imagine, wouldn't bring it up and wouldn't talk about it because they'd want to forget rather than sort of owning it and moving on. So from what I saw on sort of social media, it seemed to have a very positive response in that effect, uh, in that sense. Um, yeah. Um, the first blog was quite... It was interesting because I, I pretty much didn't tell anyone. Um, How did you feel posting it? Because that's a massive... I was cool. I, I, I was cool. Or you just sort of like, oh. Yeah, that, it, it is a bit kind of, you're like, oh my God, what's he going to do? But it's, it's kind of, what a lot of people have kind of said to me, which like they love, is they'll read it. It's literally just like reading a conversation with them so they, they can just envision just a conversation with someone. And, mm -hmm. and I say to it straight in there, I'm like, in my first blog, I say, um, I beat my mum and I said before I go any further there'll be many of people reading this now who will think oh my god Connie you piece of shit mm. Connie you little woman beater oh my god you, you should be in prison and that's fine and, and you're right you can have those thoughts but I've got to live with that mm. like for the rest of my life which I will so there's nothing you can say mm. which is ever going to change that for me and that's I mean I'm in that comfortable place now where I'm like mm. do you know what that, that's fine for you to have those opinions mm. and have those thoughts because that's more a reflection of you than it is a reflection of me mm. I've come to that place now where I forgive myself mm. it's forgiveness and I think for so many years I had that kind of oh my god like I'm yeah I'm, I'm such a terrible person which yeah I was 
but yeah you can't I think when you try keeping that being like oh my god you're such a bad person so you need to be doing better it just weighs you down so much yeah. and I, I, I just feel when I took ownership of that mm. and it was my story it was just such a weight lifting off my shoulders where I was like yeah fine like people mm. now know and however you want to view me judge me mm. that's fine but people know and again it, it was more so that I'm not saying like I've had the worst life in the world of course like there's, there's always someone worse off than you right in the corner but if my story can then help other people mm. just make a sense of their place in the world or why they're feeling the way that they're feeling and they don't have to go out and make the same mistakes that I did then it's made a difference yeah so I was thinking about it for a while and then I was like you know what let's just write something and obviously my, my writing was was kind of developing further so I was like okay cool and I just started writing and writing and the more I was writing the more I was like okay there's something here and I sent it off to a blogger called Kelly Kelly Allen Cardiff blogger mm. um, shout out to Kelly she's phenomenal she um, has this amazing blog um, that she kind of posted she was on this morning um, with her partner recent I say recently a few months ago um, but she's kind of because her partner's trans mm. and um, yeah they're big advocates for kind of like the trans community and, and her story itself is so inspiring yeah. so I sent it off to her knowing that that kind of personal element yeah maybe am I on the right tracks and she messaged me back and she was like it's brought me to tears and mm. I was like wow okay um, why so it's just a story about kind of like a, a kid and then um, like going off the rails and stuff and she was just like because it's just so raw and honest and I was like yeah. but I'm not gonna lie. like I just don't understand why you lie so I was like okay cool so yeah together we developed it a bit further mm. and then yeah I was in a position then where um, it was actually her idea to add the photos to break it up yeah because at the when I sent it to her it was literally just like three pages of just text <laughs> so it was so text heavy yeah she was like it's beautiful and, and I quite basically it's very like yeah, yeah break it up so then I started adding photos and then it just came and I think by doing that then I kind of found my own kind of blogging style yeah about having these sections in terms of writing mm. it's kind of like a five act structure isn't it so like yeah, you can break yeah, it down then yeah. each, each, each picture <laughs> then is like that's it like that's the beat into mm. the next act and yeah um, so yeah so I didn't tell anyone mm. and then I, I basically I was just like okay cool it's done let's just post it so I, I dropped it I didn't even tell my mum I just I just said to her if I was to talk about it would you be okay she was like yeah so I just dropped mm. it and yeah I was yeah I was really surprised actually at the kind of traction it got because mm. it had like about a thousand views in like three days and I was just like yeah. what the hell wow a th over a thousand yeah. I think it's like 1200 or something and I was just yeah. like wow like mm. that that outreach and then I was just getting messages and like I started getting messages from like fathers really yeah who were like just read your blog mate thanks a lot for posting and being so honest it's made me reevaluate my relationship with my son wow and that for me then was interesting because I was like I didn't even write it for you though I wrote it, yeah. for, I wrote it for all these kids with absolute yeah. fathers so what was interesting in that was knowing that wow okay so this blog has resonance with fathers yeah. and it might have resonance with mothers because then they, they mm. so might be acting up the same way that kind of thing so it was very yeah. interesting and I think that's the one thing then in my second blog which I tried to kind of 
take away and be like actually it's for anyone yeah. anyone can read this blog and be like oh, I can just take away mm. the fact that you know my best friend is really close with my son and they've got that relationship yeah. so yeah I need to kind of keep that in hold mm. because it's so good for my son or yeah it was the honesty for, for me personally oh, it was the you. honesty but that's really interesting what you said about people do you think people perceive you differently now now they've read it or do you not really kind of take note nah, I, I don't take notice because uh, like everyone people people will perceive you in whatever way they feel there, there'll be people out there in life who will absolutely adore me and be like my god Connor's mm-hmm. amazing He's a lovely guy. He's lovely to work with her. And they'll be the complete opposite. And the people out there, Connor's an absolute piece of shit. Mm. Never want to work with him. He's terrible. Um, yeah, he just treats everyone like shit. And that's fine. Like, mm. people can have those opinions. Yeah. Uh, like, because clearly they've heard or I may have reacted to something that's gone on where they might have that opinion of me. And that's, that's cool. Like, it's the people then that, that kind of know me and, and that matter to me. Mm then I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, they, for me, it's their opinions. Yeah. But even that, even with them, I'm a bit like, your opinion is your opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not here to kind of please you. Like, it, like me and my brother, we've got a great relationship. And then, we, we, again, we're only human, so there's going to be days where we annoy each other. Mm. Doesn't mean our relationship <laughs> changes any different. So it's laughing because I've got four siblings. That's like, oh. it, yeah, so you get it, 100%. <laughs> see, so it's like, it doesn't mean that I, I, I don't, like, our relationship is yeah. any different because of that. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't take much notice of, of that because I just feel, again, if you do, it, just, it can just bog you down because then it's like, well, I'm not doing any of this to try and please you or try and get mm. gratification. Like I said, on my website, it literally says I'm doing a series of life lessons just to kind of add a bit of laughter or a bit of hope or a bit of inspiration for anyone's mm. journey. Um, and if, if you can take any of that from what I write, great. Yeah. And then it's just, it, it is what it is. It, it is what it is for the people mm. who read it. And and if they read it and they take something away from it, great. And if they yeah. don't, like, I know the reasons why I write my blogs and what I've done and why I've done, like, mm. blog one, two, and, and now three next week. But it's, again, I think as soon as, like, press kind of publish, it's then not for me anymore. I think yeah. writing it is for me. As soon as I publish, it's not for me anymore. Mm. It's for the audience. It's for the yeah. people who read it. And like I said, they'll take many different things yeah. away from it. Um, like, a prior, when I when I dropped it, the first one, um, I was like, in time I remember, she was like, for food with my Andy. And uh-huh. I, got, I got a text off my Andy. Was it a positive reaction? Yeah, no, no, it, it was it, it was one hundred percent. She was like, um, "Hey, um, I just wanted to say that me and your mum uh, sat in the pub having food and we're bawling our eyes out, oh. <laughs> um, and we're immensely and we're so proud of you mm. and the journey that you've been on. And because yeah. my aunt used to babysit, she was like, I know how much of a terror you used to be <laughs> as a teenager. So knowing yeah. that you've grown into this, mm. the young man that you are." makes mm. us so proud and your mum's so proud because she sat your ball in her eyes out mm. and we're trying to eat our food <laughs> and yeah it, it, it was something along yeah. those lines and I was just a bit like ah. Uh, and I think yeah for me like yeah it's just knowing now that like me and my mum are in a place where it, it's about it's, it's forgiveness the power mm. of forgiveness I think is that like I'm not I can't change what I did but I can just try and be a better person and like she'll always say like 
she did what she had to do and, mm. and I fully respect that but it's like I she's at least I'd like to think you'd have to ask her herself how action yeah but we'll have to get her on yeah one day <laughs> but yeah I'd, I'd like to think or the more that we talk I'm like yeah she she forgives me and yeah I guess like I said I, I'm just in a place where I've forgiven myself mm. because it's just about understanding everything that was going on in your life at that moment in time or that period in your life that led you to do what you did and it's about then reflecting on it and looking back and being that okay cool I know why this has happened yeah and I never want that to happen again. So yeah. it's clearly triggered something. Yeah. And that's great. And, and that's, I think, what it what it's meant to do. I, I truly yeah. believe that if we can, if, again, it's that empathy, isn't it? And relatability. If we, can, if we can understand other people's journeys and other people's kind of experiences, then it just gives us a better understanding of the kind of human capacity for kind mm. of being so yeah I, I, that's why i think i that's why i love kind of podcasts and just listening to other people and their conversations and the experiences in life mm. because it just enhances your understanding of what yeah. it means to kind of be a human being because we've all got our, our journeys that we're going on and our dreams that we want to achieve and our struggles that we're going through and it's about kind of how you deal with them and everyone deals with them different because we're all even though we're all one human race, we're all uniquely different. And yeah. it's that, yeah, that those experiences just bring a wealth of kind of, yeah, understanding and warmth that can just, I think, sometimes just help you in whatever period of life you're in. Well, if we look back at when we were in uni together. Yeah, yeah. And not that you're in the same year, but would, would I have thought in my first year in uni that five years later we'd be sitting down having a chat and a beer. Do you know what I mean? It would no, have crossed my mind. One hundred percent, it probably wouldn't. Just because yeah, we yeah. in different circles of friends and didn't really know you, knew you more after uni. <laughs> so you <laughs> No, first year for uni for me was a, a wild one as well. So yeah, I, I think the corner that sat here now chatting to you is a very different corner to the first year corner. <laughs> um so yeah like that yeah that was crazy mm. but um yeah it's, it's university is it so yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think well i think you were in third year by the time i was in first year so you're all right i think i missed first year connor <laughs> i always forget yeah yeah 100 percent. third year connor was all right well, yeah that was it we didn't have yeah because uni's a mad one like i never because i didn't have like for example me now i my brother's four years younger so yeah. it's just after I finished uni he was going and, and, yeah. and, and I was talking to him and I said to him I go trust me you're not ready for fresh <laughs> like that's all I'm saying to you okay trust me when I say that and he was like yeah yeah whatever man I'm, yeah alright mate <laughs> and it was so funny because now we're like we, we, um, we have like our weekly flash um, session so um, flash is a TV series um, on the CW network and um, every week we all kind of meet up and, and we'll watch flash like oh, religiously nice. yeah, yeah it's like a <laughs> thing like slush and um yeah so so we'll meet up like every week uh have like a little sleepover and we'll watch flash and uh, we were chatting the other week and he was like man i didn't realize i should have <laughs> listened to you because you, you you were right and i was like of course i was right mate, because i've lived that experience yeah. like i've been to so why don't you listen to what oh, i'm saying my like, siblings do not i'm the eldest the four of us and they do not listen to me see at 
all. They will rue the day. <laughs> but they will. And then you can just be this smug, being like... Smug in the corner. I told you guys. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I told you. See? And yeah, I said it to him. So it's... Yeah, it was really... Mm. Freshers was a weird one for me because I, I had no one. Yeah. Because like no one at that moment in time when I'd left from my council estate had gone to university. Ah, uh, yeah. That like was in my kind of... Mm. Kind of group obviously my group was yeah mm. my group and um no one in my family up until that point had gone to university either so i had no kind of like role model yeah to kind of talk to be like yeah like this is how mm. it is so bearing in mind now like i'm kind of running from my past in a way mm. because obviously like i'm trying to stay out of trouble and i'm running from that person i used to be as a teenager and stuff just coming out of like my childhood sweetheart breakup mm. so like yeah i had like a high school girlfriend <laughs> of, of like three and a half years who i thought that the time was like the love of my life and um if i was romeo she was my julia <laughs> that's yeah he's two little young star cross yeah. lovers so like that's the again that's the first time you're experiencing heartbreak as a yeah. teenager so like you feel oh my god the whole world's gonna end so I go off to uni now and then you've got Freshers Fortnite where you just drink and party oh. and I was just like, what? This is wild. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I I know that I probably uh, pissed a lot of people off during Freshers <laughs> first year of university. Um, so for any of you listening, I apologise. Um, I'm a different guy now. But yeah, so yeah, but it's mad. It's, it's mm. wild. So yeah, but no, I, I I wouldn't have said back then in studio in your first that five years later we'd be sat mm. having a drink and talking about life over a podcast. <laughs> so it's funny how life takes you in different uh, <laughs> different ways and different circles. Brilliant! Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much. No, oh, thank you, thanks. I think we'll finish the podcast with the three sentences. So the first sentence is. I love my job because. Let's let's change it. I love what I do because. I love what I do because of the impact it can have on other people. Um, in five years' time. In five years' time. And I'm not going to hold you to this, so I won't come and knock. Okay, on your door cool. That's right. Yeah, I'm not going to knock on your door in five, five years. Five years' time. Like, yeah. Excuse me. I'm just going to replay um, a little clip. <laughs> from can you remember we did this podcast yeah this little clip um and you said five years i'm just checking now five years i hope to be a i hope to be a father to a lovely child and a husband to my reach and the last one is i'm happiest when i'm happiest when man that's so hard Anyone to think I'm never happy, like you might have a lot, but in yeah. this moment in time, in this moment, in yeah, time, you're happiest when you know, happiest when I'm messaging Will Ferrell quotes to my best friends. <laughs> Brilliant, <Rightly. laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave.
Well, a massive thank you to Connor for joining me and having a chat. It was really brilliant. I always find it so inspiring when I sit down with Con. He's definitely motivational and looking forward to some more chats with him in the future. We'll have to get him back on to talk about all the other exciting stuff he's getting up to in 2020. A massive thank you again to Joshua David Bartholomew for writing our music. And a massive thank you to you, of course, for listening. And remember to like, share and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let us know if you've enjoyed this week's episode or any of our episodes before. And I'll see you all again next week. Bye.